1: Want 20% discount on the best earplugs for exercise? Ultra earplugs go in your ears and stay in there. Go to ultraaudio.com, that's U-L-T-R-O, and use the discount code DOM20. That'll save you around $35. That's ultraaudio.com, U-L-T-R-O, and the discount code DOM20. Welcome to episode 27 of Runners Only with Dom Harvey. On this episode, Kane Briscoe.
2: I wouldn't have picked myself sitting here as a farmer <laughs> <laughs> talking about gratitude or, or journaling or anything like that is It's quite an odd thing.
1: Kane is a Taranaki dairy farmer who has gained a huge following on social media with his farm fit movement that he started in 2019. In April 2022, he ran 100 kilometres in his gumboots and in the process raised over $20,000 for I Am Hope. And now... As well as being a farmer, he's a published author with a book called Tools for the Top Paddock. You can follow Kane on Instagram at farmfit underscore Nz. All right, let's go.
0: Hey, runner's only kick, yeah, yeah, let's get it started. Hey, hey, this is runner's only with Dime Harley. Uh, fast pace, slow and steady, anywhere you coming, uh, just wanna connect for everyone who loves running. This is runner's only kick, yeah, yeah, let's get it started. Hey, hey, this is runner's only with Dime Harley. Uh, fast pace, slow and steady, anywhere you coming, uh, just wanna connect for everyone who loves running. Hey, runner's only with Dime Harley.
1: Runners only with Dom Harvey and Farmfit, Kane Briscoe. G'day <laughs> lad.
2: How's it going, mate? All right. It's,
1: it's going going all right, going all right. Briscoe, Briscoe you never buy better. How often do you hear that?
2: Uh, constantly, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was my teenage years summed up basically.
1: Was it? Was how's it actually
2: it, how's your mum on the ad, yeah, yeah.
1: It's <laughs> <laughs> so not original. <laughs> hey, um, it's great to have you in my house and what is gonna be the podcast studio. Um I was thinking about it just um as as I got you from the front door and brought you in here. Our lives probably couldn't be more different in so many ways. I'm in, a, in an apartment, like a couple of hundred meters down the road from Sky City. You're in a rural Taranaki.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it is uh, yeah, two worlds colliding at the moment, Don. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's a pretty um, it's always a strange strange feeling when I come to Auckland. Actually, just yeah. seeing so many people in one spot. Um, Like 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 we messaged earlier, it's actually a novelty for my kids to see buildings. Um, Everyone else in Alton's probably sick of it, but um, it's pretty pretty exciting for them actually.
1: Yeah, I'd imagine. um, Yeah, other things like it's probably quite terrifying for your kids being on the motorway in an Uber with cars either side
2: of you. It's it's terrifying for me. (laughs) (laughs) It does
1: does take a while to get used to. Um, Yeah, there's there's another thing where we are like polar opposites. You and I. you, I, I've started reading your book, which I've actually got a copy of, and you haven't even seen yet. Yes, crazy. Um, we'll get to that soon. But in that, you talk about how um, growing up as a, like a preschool age kid, uh, you loved going to your nana and granddad's farm, and yep. when it was time to go back home again, um, like you, you'd hide from your parents because yep. you wanted to stay on the farm. Yeah, I, I had a similar thing. I had my um, um, auntie Robin and Uncle John. They had a dairy farm, and I was sent there on the school holidays. Fucking hated every minute of it. It's awful. <laughs> Despised it. <laughs> Fuck the smell of silage, and you're out working, and I'd never get a good spot on the back of the tractor. So I was getting like cow shit flung up at me nonstop. Terrible, and yeah, and Auntie Robin, she um she called me a city slicker. I was from Palmerston North, so it's not re- you know they were in Levin, so Palmerston North's not really a city, but
2: yeah, yeah.
1: hated it. Why, right?
2: where, what was the appeal for you? Uh. Bloody good question, I think it's probably I had uh, two older brothers that were quite a bit older than me so they, you know, when I started, from what I can remember, you know, they were um, in the early teens and, and really involved in the actual farm work and, and I idolised them massively so uh, yeah, probably just wanted to be like them and, and um, my uncle who ran the farm was, was, uh, he, he, was a, he was a bloody hoot really and he, he made everything fun, um, it, it never really seemed like Hard work, even mm. though it was, um, he always managed to have a laugh or, or make a game out of something or teach us something. So it was, it was really interesting. And it, yeah, just ever whatever I can remember, whether I was three or four years old, it's just all I ever wanted to do was yeah. drive tractors and ride bikes and work with animals and, and do all those um, those hard jobs on the farm were the best. Like making hay in the summer, uh, it was horrendously difficult, but you know there was something really. Um, I don't know, just rewarding. Just, yeah, rewarding and earthly about it, you know, just working with your hands. I think, and and particularly with the land and animals, it's there's just something um, really natural about it. Mm. It's um, whether it's in the blood or something, I don't know. But yeah. wasn't in your blood, obviously. <laughs> oh, absolutely
1: not. I'm like the, I, and I, I am a city slicker now. So Auntie Robin was sort of right, and I'm one of these one of these people. It's like I love meat. Yeah. Oh, I don't. I want to see it in the packaging. <laughs> I I don't want to know want where it's it on the plate. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, that's it. That's it. So so we've discussed um um all the things we don't have in common. Um, but but we do have a lot in common as well. Like Absolutely. um, we've we've both got the same um, love of um, I suppose running and uh, you know physical activity and also yeah. um, yeah, we understand how that um intertwines with mental health.
2: Yeah, in definitely. a big way. Yep, yeah, definitely. And um, you know, it's been obviously a big part of your life now and. Yeah. and Forever since so I can remember, even though I used to hate running, sports been um, massive. You know, I grew up, uh, started playing rugby at the age of five and didn't played every season right through until uh, the body started giving up in my late 20s. And, you know, it's just been a part of my family and, and a part of my life. And, and um, I guess later on, once I couldn't play footy, running became, sort of took over mm. as the sport of choice. Um, and it's yeah, it's been really, uh, uh, it's an interesting journey when you start running, <laughs> You know, it's not, seriously, fun. <laughs> it's not it's fun. It's not, it's it's not, not easy different. for anyone. Everyone, everyone keeps saying that I make it look fun, and I, or they 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 don't find any fun in it. And I was like, it's not really fun that often. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's just painful and frustrating at times. But, but yeah, it's a cool. It's a it's a good way to get to know yourself. Anyway,
1: anyway. absolutely. Well, you, one thing um, you, one thing I don't understand about about you and I suppose anyone that does like a physical job and running is, uh, I, I sort of started running um out of necessity because I was doing breakfast radio hours yeah. and they're, they're challenging hours and they take it out of you so I, I figured if I want longevity in this radio industry something that's going to help help me do this is being physically fit yeah so I started running but I don't know how after like a long day on the farm like surely the last thing you want to do is any more sort of physical act. it's a physical job I guess is yeah, what I'm saying
2: yeah yeah and it, honestly sometimes it is the last thing you want to do um but The way I sort of look at it, like, dairy farming's changed a lot in the last probably 15, 20 years. How
1: yeah, so? In what
2: way? Uh, it's just less physical. It's more right. mental. Um, like, if, if I think back to when I used to help my uncle on his farm, you know, um, 25 years ago, uh, you know, we are picking up hay bales and, and digging post holes, you know, every day was, was, it was really physically demanding um, every single day, and he was a really fit, fit strong guy. Um, but when I think about my day now... Uh, You know, a lot of days, a lot of hours in the tractor. You know, we have post... Post drivers, mechanical post drivers, not too many dig, dig posts anymore. Oh, all those um, gadgets
1: that you get to field days and yeah, days. Yeah, exactly, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. <laughs> metal disease, <laughs> they call it. Um, what disease? Metal disease. What's yeah, that? Just people buying metal oh, right. tractors and <laughs> you know, gadgets to put on the tractor, basically. But
1: Sorry, by the way, yeah, before you get any further, I know what? absolutely nothing about farming, <laughs> yeah. so there's going to be a lot of dumb, <laughs> yeah. dumb explanations. Absolutely.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah so, yeah, or, yeah. It's like um, people with tech, I guess, you know, buying fancy computers and, and gaming and that sort of thing. Farmers have the same deal uh, with machinery sometimes. Um, but, yeah, so it's, it's much more of a, a mental um, tax now than a physical. Um, and I sort of look at it like we have this winter period, or well, most dairy farms have their winter period where we go on holiday, holiday to Fiji. Uh, where, you know it's, it's our quietest time of the year. We spend a bit more time on the couch, um, do less hours, and then we go straight straight into the, the hardest time of the year, which is calving. Um, and you go from, you know, you might do 50 hours a week of, of just cruising around the farm, you know, not working too hard. Um, and you can go straight into doing 80, 90, 100 hours even um, in the space of a couple of weeks. So it just yeah. changes really quickly. And, and that is the time of the year that's really physically demanding, you know, you're picking up calves, manhandling cows if they're sick and that sort of thing, or, or pulling calves out when they need help. You know, mm-hmm. it, is, it is really physically demanding, but, you know, just the time that you spend outside every day working, and it's like, you know, I need to get fit for that, you know, and it's it's, it's something that I really found when I stopped playing rugby, um, how how important that fitness was and the, and the difference between coming off the back of a rugby season being fit and strong, you know, it, um, and then straight into carving, I could handle it quite easily. Mm-hmm. Um, when I retired from rugby and, and had my first winter, I guess, you know, since I could even remember of um, not being fit, it was really noticeable straight away how important it was to be fit and strong, um, ready to go. So I sort of see... The fitness I do throughout the year is, is like a bit of a pre-season, to be honest. Um, <laughs> yeah, right, getting right, getting right. ready for carving, you know, so it's… it's well, the physical demands.
1: Basically, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, 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 a, it's a funny thing, because eh, with physical activity, the more you do, actually, the more energy you get. You think you're, you're expelling yeah. all this energy, so you'd be more tired, but it yeah. doesn't actually work that way. No,
2: it doesn't. It's, it's like, you know, if, if you sit on the couch all day, you're going to be tired at the end of the day, too. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's one of those things you've actually got to create your own energy mm. and, and getting up and doing something that you enjoy, something that's challenging as well. Um, I always find you know people when the when the challenge with something they're passionate about or, or something that gives them purpose that creates a whole bunch of energy in you. Yeah. So it's important to uh, recognise that and understand what what brings you energy.
1: Yeah, so right. And it seems like you. Um, I wanted to ask you something. It seems to me like you like taking part in events. I've seen I've seen you do some yeah. in- Instagram videos and reels and things and yeah. some TV appearances. And it looks like there's a wall of like race numbers and medals. In yep. the corner of the what? <laughs> but first of all, what room of the house is that?
2: Uh, so that was the lounge.
1: Oh, yeah. that is not great lounge day, day yeah. day oh, I thought maybe it's a man cave or something. How did you get that past your wife?
2: <laughs> nah, no, no, it was, it was actually it was actually a lot of those are hers. Oh, are had, they? Um, and, and I must clarify, a lot of them are participation medals, not not first or seconds or anything like oh, of that. Of course, yeah. But um, that was all, I guess, around uh, for our own mental health. I guess recognizing and being proud of what we've done in the past. Um, and and you know recognizing what you are capable of, um, so you know a lot of people put that sort of st- like we had all that stuff in the drawer, mm. basically sitting in storage in the, in the cupboard, and it was sort of like, well, yeah, we should actually, you know, sometimes you just re- need a a reminder of what you're capable of. Yeah, and so to put them out there on display, it wasn't a, it wasn't a bragging or, or anything like that. Seems a little bragging. It seems, but we, no, we no. don't actually have like heaps of friends and and stuff around. Um, we're not sort of a little bit hermity I guess you could say but um, you know it was, it, was, it was all about us and, and even for our kids um, you know we've put them in a few 5k fun runs and that sort of thing and they get to put their uh, race number up on the wall and, and they'll quite often go over and look at it or get their medal down and put it around their neck and it's just something to be proud of I mm-hmm. think and, and not be ashamed of or, or you know we've got that talk Tall poppy syndrome in New Zealand, oh, in a big way, yeah. where we don't like to brag, and it, it's 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 just saying it as as just being proud of what you've achieved and and um, recognising what you've been through in the past, and that's what it was for us was was just understanding, you know, um, you know, remembering those tough times. You know, uh, I remember the first time we did uh, Waitomo Trail Race, which was thirty six k's. You know, the amount of times we wanted to quit but push through and finish, you know, it's, it's important to remember that, that you can do it That's a really
1: cool thing. Yeah, that really is. I think that's a real healthy way of looking at it as well. Mm. And there's probably a lot of people listening to this right now that take part in events and stuff and go, oh, okay, yeah, shit, where are, yeah, I've got mine in a drawer or or in a box somewhere (laughs) or whatever it may be. That's cool. And and what you were saying about the Waitomo race about how you want to quit, but you just keep going, put one foot in front of each other, I feel feel like there's like metaphors between like hard events like that and the challenges of day to day life.
2: Totally, totally. And it wasn't actually. Running's probably the sort of that endurance type running was um, when I really recognise the parallels between between your sport and your real life because mm. it, you know some days it is it's, it's just being able to put that one foot in front of the other and, and to push through and I guess you know understand that there is a finish line and and that that tough time doesn't last forever I think that's really important because mm. when you're in the moment it feels like you know,
1: it's never going to improve.
2: Yeah, you know, when you're in a shit storm, it just feels like that shit storm's going to last forever. But there's always a finish line, or um, I like to think of it in uh, boxing terms as well. As you know, the round always ends. Mm. You know, there's there's always going to be a, a, a moment where that storm clears and yeah. Um, just yes, don't
1: throw in the fucking towel.
2: Don't throw in the towel, man. It's it's being able to push through that adversity a bit and just hang on. You know, mm. with even if you. Even if you can't walk, it's it's just stay in the race. You know, you can mm. you can sit down and have a breather and reassess, and and um, like you, I'm sure you've done it in the past. You you have a gel or something, or a bit of food, or a bit of tailwind or something, and you know, in five minutes you feel just that little bit better, and it, it gives you that spark to keep going. So it's finding mm. those things in life and the transfer of skills between sport um to real life has has been really important for me and in, in uh keeping on going
1: oh for fu- who left their phone on the bloody <laughs> the bloody townie bloody townie <laughs>
2: eh?
1: <laughs> oh stephen from tornado used to call us on the radio show quite a bit
2: i recognize that name
1: all right hey stephen i'm just in the middle of doing a podcast i'll call you back later mate
0: okay because i just letting you know that um times have been changed
1: what the time of my flight has been changed now, so. Oh, when you're coming to Auckland for the basketball? Yeah. Okay, all right. Well, right. We'll talk about it later. Okay. Okay, bye.
2: bye. It's gold. All right. <laughs>
1: all right, flight mode. Flight mode it is. All right, okay. Kane Briscoe, are you ready to see the finished version of your book for the first time in your life?
2: Yeah, bring it on, mate. I'm a bit nervy.
1: Here you go. Tools from the top paddock.
2: Here it is. Crikey. Wow, That's um, I just wouldn't have ever dreamed of writing a book, and here it is. It's unbelievable, actually. I don't know. It's quite overwhelming, eh? It's just um, I've always seen myself as a very, very average person, and to um, yeah, to hold my own bloody book in my hand is something. Lost words a little bit. It's, yeah.
1: it's got to go in the corner of the lounge by the race numbers. Yeah. <laughs> I
2: think we might have to put one copy there. I wouldn't want to see a of them there. Oh, okay.
1: All right. Okay. So how does a how does a kid from Taranaki that ends up just being a farmer end up in a position where you have a book publisher reaching out to you saying, "Hey, you should write a book." How does this happen?
2: Oh, fuck, I don't
1: know. Yeah, shoot. We should go go right back. It's to do with it's to do with farm fit, right, and the success yeah, of farm yeah, fit. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so so how did farm fit come about? By the way, for anyone that is um, listening to this podcast that that has no clue what farm fit is, how how would you describe
2: it? Um, yeah, I've, I still actually struggle to describe it. So, I basically, I'll, I'll tell you. I guess the beginnings of it was um, I'd been through my own challenges, and we'll probably we'll probably come back to this, but yeah. been through my own challenges mentally on uh, with farming, um, and got myself into a pretty pretty bad place, I guess, and, and really struggled for a couple of years. Um, but what, what helped drag me out of that was, was sport, uh, basically. Um, got myself right, sort of got the farm going, you know, functioning right, and then sort of looked around me and I thought, um, well, there were there were a lot of reasons, but I looked around me and I thought, well, you know, I'm a pretty, I thought I was a pretty mentally tough, strong, um, you know, typical Kiwi farmer, really, um and I thought, shit, if I can go through that um, and find myself in that sort of place and, and find a way to get out of it, um, surely I can I can help pass that on to other people. Um, and that was really the genesis of, of um, FarmFit, and it just started uh, as me inviting the neighbours around basically to, to come and do like a boot camp type session.
1: Like flipping tractor tyres and...
2: Yeah, well, it started out on just my driveway, mate. I um I had a few skipping ropes and some boxing gear, um, and I brought a few few sandbags and and a uh, couple of little things, really, um, nothing much, and and yeah, just just started doing, you know, because I, I had a bit of experience with boxing and and running, obviously, so I knew a bit about fitness, um, in rugby, but yeah, just I honestly I thought two young fellas might turn up that wanted to get a bit fitter for rugby, and and I had uh, I think six for the first session and. After a couple of weeks, I had uh, sort of ten or twelve people of you know just such a diverse range. Yeah. We had um, you know eighteen year old guys up to people and you know farmers in their fifties and women and, and kids and teenagers. So it all got quite serious quite quickly, more than what I ever thought. <laughs> and um, probably after about six weeks, I um, I sort of thought it would be cool to be able to inspire not just the local community but other farmers throughout the country to to look after their physical and mental health and. Um, That's when we started up the Instagram and Facebook Mm. page, and uh, yeah, it's just been
1: sort of exploded, really, didn't
2: it? Yeah, yeah. I I thought like if I could get like five hundred people watching, um, you know, what whatever it was I was doing and inspiring them, that would be just. Mm. Pretty wild to me because I wasn't, I just yeah. wasn't a social media person, you know. Um, probably once a year I put like an, an inspirational quote on my <laughs> Facebook page and, and one picture of the kids or something, and that All was right. it. Yeah.
1: Fake news, you've got a you've got a TikTok <laughs> account under a different name. I know it,
2: <laughs> there's nothing. No, I'm not even on TikTok, mate. It's, it's just not really me, but yeah, yeah, um, you know, to be in the position I am with a you know, it's, it's just wild. I just never even imagined it. And um, probably at the time I started, there was a lot of chat on Facebook, I guess, around. Uh, you know, mental health in New Zealand. Um, you know, Mike King had started I Am Hope, and uh, there was a lot of pressure on the government to do more, and, and God, that's still there, because nothing's bloody changed. Um, but I, I also saw a lot of people just, you know, waiting for someone to come and fix them, and I was like, well, that's not the bloody way. Mm-hmm. You know, you've you've got to start that yourself, and, and we've got a, a personal responsibility, I guess, to um, do what we can for ourselves. And so I was a little bit pissed off with other people, um you know, in a way, with their hand out, um, you know, just expecting someone to come and fix their life for them, and you know, that's just not the way I was brought up, or not how I learned um, to live. Is you know, it all starts with you. You know, you got to look in the mirror and uh, ask yourself what you're doing for yourself every day. So, I was it part of that? Was that was one of the other reasons, really, for for starting FarmFit and um, and making it into something? I guess uh, to what it is now is is just to to try and inspire people to do that, um, right, yeah,
1: right, mate, I I love that, and you are you're, you're so right. And I like I don't think I think of myself as particularly smart or particularly dumb, but I'm just yeah. somewhere in the middle. Yeah. I I knew how important my physical health was to me, as yeah. I, as I said before. I thought if I want to do those hours and keep doing it, I yeah. need I need to be fit. So I'm physically fit, and I never paid. Any attention over the years at all to the mental stuff? Yes, yeah, so And your mental fitness should be the same as your physical fitness. Yeah, but we don't even we don't even talk about that shit.
2: Yeah, well, they're intertwined, really. Um, and, you know, you just you can't have good mental health without the physical things you do every day. Um, so, good habits, movement—you know—a lot of those things, you know, hold up your mental health. But you still got to be aware of what what your thoughts are, the story mm. you're telling yourself, and all those sort of things. And as a you know, as a kind of uh, attest to, you know, the typical Kiwi uh, particularly rural male. Uh, that is the last thing from our bloody mind is is, you know, any sort of self awareness <laughs> around our mental health. And um <laughs> you know, yeah, yes. you just couldn't be further from, from your thoughts.
1: I just want to bring up something you said before. You you said you started Farm Fit because you wanted to, you know, talk about and help farmers with their um physical fitness and mental fitness. Yeah. Now um the mental fitness thing, we'll we'll get to that because um like the suicide rate of farmers in this country is bloody shocking, right? It's alarming. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I I can't recall the figure off the top of my head, but whenever I hear it, whenever they do another survey, it's like
2: shit. Yeah, I think but, I think we're second in behind the tradies now. Um, oh, I was that so? I think the trades uh, have had a real hard time in the last five or so years, mm. I think that. Don't quote me, but I think they're leading the statistics. But uh, rural New Zealand's been shocking for a long, long time. Yeah, yeah.
1: But they they are both. Like occupations or lines of work where you think the physical fitness thing is sorted, mm. you know what? You know, you, ne- you never really see an overweight farmer or an overweight
2: trader, do you? I oh, a few around, but <laughs> <laughs> if you look hard enough. <laughs> so, is, is
1: physical fitness a problem for some farmers? though? Yeah,
2: I think it is. Yeah, yeah. 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 I think uh, probably twenty-five years ago it wouldn't have been at all. Um, just the way that farming's changed now, um, I think it definitely is. And yeah, like I said, we, we have a high, um, you know, the, the mental toll on farmers is extremely huge. Um, but what you'll find, as with any walk of life, um, some of that, some people, you know, reach for the wrong the wrong sort of diet or, or lack of exercise to try and overcome that, you know, that um, short burst of pleasure from the old chockey bar or, or meat pie or, you know, in all, all honesty, some farmers are just so busy that they just grab the easy option, um, you know, just like busy people in town. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's all too convenient nowadays to, uh, you know, whip down to the server and get a pie and, and whatever it is, but um yeah no it is it is definitely a problem now and you know from the interactions we've had uh through the farm farm foot uh gym as we call it on the farm you know the local community they they just carving that that hard physical time of the year and, and even um you know afterwards they feel like uh, they get through it a bit easier they've got a bit more energy and with that comes mental clarity as well so you're less likely to get stressed you make better decisions and Um, there's a lot of good things that come off the back of that. Mm. So it is, yeah, it it is definitely a problem. I'd say um, big shout out to the sheep and beef farmers in New Zealand. They are generally a bit fitter. Um, (laughs) I hate to say it, but um, they generally still do really hard work, you know, uh, no matter what generation, shearing a sheep is bloody hard. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, you know. And there's there's only so many places you can get the uh, tractor and post driver on those hills, and uh, sooner or later you got to walk up them. So, <laughs> <laughs> generally they they're in a bit better shape, but uh, yeah, mm. the old dairy farm is a bit different now. Um, a lot of time in tractors and utes, and and the, in all honesty, a lot of the operations managers that look after you know big farms or multiple farms, it's, it's more of an office job now. Yeah, right, um, right. Surprisingly, yeah
1: let's talk about your your mental health and your mental health journey so when when did you when did that start um like taking a turn for the for the worse and when did you like acknowledge that it was it was not where it should be or not where you wanted it to be
2: yeah so I I had a really I guess rapid rise in farming um I I, um, got through the farming ladder quite quickly and got to a point where uh, I could buy my own cows um so we we got a well, I got a 50-50 share milking job, I think I was 25.
1: What, is, what does that mean exactly? What is 50/50 so 50-50,
2: share- 50/50 means um, all the income generated from milk uh, is split 50-50 between the farm owner and the share milker, um, and the 50-50 share milker owns all the cows, all the animals on the farm, and they provide uh, all the machinery, tractors, motorbikes, um, tools, you name it, pretty much. We, okay. Um, a lot of the bills get split 50-50. Um, all the animal health was my responsibility, uh, for example, so I paid 100% of those bills. Um, Fertiliser was often split 50-50, so it's, it's yeah, share farming, so you've got a really big, um, really big uh, investment in the farm, you know, in, in your animals, so... Um, a pretty big mortgage came with that. Yeah,
1: like how like how much are we talking? Um, I've got no idea. It was... Like millions?
2: So, nah, not for uh. me. Not for me. So I was relatively small, so I think we started off with uh, owning 170 cows. Um And off the top of my head, I think we were uh, around about $400,000 mortgage, oh, something yeah. like that, or just over to buy everything. Um which doesn't seem that big when you look at house prices these days. But <laughs> um, I'd, I'd pretty recently returned from an OE, so I'd only been I'd only actually been farming, uh, dairy farming, uh, for three years when I got that job. So I didn't have heaps of money. We, did, we were actually uh, outside the lending criteria for the bank, so there was quite a. The, but I guess the the outlook for dairy farming was really good then, um, so they are pretty easy to give money. Um, so there was quite a lot of financial pressure on me. Um, I'd not long uh, met my now wife, Nicole. Um, and yeah, so got into this job, owning cows, a lot of responsibility, but but a lot of excitement. Um, and we, my first season was uh, the record milk price of $8.40, uh, which was 2013. And so, but you know, that was pretty exciting because I was like, money was just flowing in, things were good. Um, the hard part I was finding was, uh, the farm I'd moved on to was a little bit, I wouldn't say run down, but there were a lot of problems there. Okay, um, so that created quite a bit of stress. And I'm an absolute perfectionist, so um, the farms I'd worked on previously were were really, really nice farms. Well, everything was well done, and um, I like to have you know all my all my eyes dotted and T's crossed. Mm. And I, I was just finding in that first year that um, there were a lot of problems to fix that I couldn't quite figure out. Um, but everything was all good because we were making a lot of money at eight dollars forty a, a kilo of milk solids, so um, things were really positive. But at the end of that season, um, I just had we just had our first child, which added a I guess another element becoming a dad. Um, and then the payout decided to uh, slip away under our feet, basically. And over the course of eighteen months, it dropped from <coughs> eight dollars forty down to three dollars ninety, I think. So our income.
1: Okay, more than, ha- ha- more ha- than half. More than half. Is this a, c- a cyclical thing in, in farming?
2: It is a bit, yeah, but that was really extreme. Right, um, right, There That, that okay. was a, a super extreme example, and, and no like no one had even, I think the, the highest milk price before that $8.40 was like $7 or $7.10, right, so, so it was a was record, a, high. Was a record yeah. high, and then they hadn't seen a price of $3.90 for probably 10 years, yeah. um, and you know, the cost of the price of everything goes up over mm-hmm. time, so it was a... It was a it was a hugely, um, hugely stressful time. You know, I, I did so many bloody budgets and all of them just came out shit out, so I ended up stop, you know, it was everything was in the red, there was nothing nothing really we could do. Um, and it was at at that time I decided to quit playing rugby. Um, I wanted to spend t- more time with my family and, and, and focus more on the farm and, and just sort of bring everything in and, and do the bare necessities and it was great, like um it was, it was great spend, not having to play rugby, and um, you know, not waking up on Sunday with a sore body and a hangover. Um, <laughs> but you know, I, I got myself unfit. I didn't have a, you know, I wasn't connecting with my mates at footy anymore, so I was sort of isolated myself. Yeah, you lose that network, I guess. You so. did, yeah, yeah. And it was, you know, I played it, you know, I played for that club for a long time, and and you know, I was a senior player in that club at the time, and um, that was actually quite hard. to I probably didn't realise how much I needed that. Know, just needed that escape off the farm, and um, so
1: it's less about the rugby, really, and just more about the yeah, com- community.
2: Absolutely, I think. Yeah, yeah like yeah. probably a big reason I played rugby was for the aftermatch, really. And you know, that that might sound bad, but you know, oh no, no, I, think, they,
1: I feel like I feel like that's probably what keeps a lot of um, like yeah. old dogs that aren't really playing at a super competitive yeah, level in yeah. the game. Yeah, in any absolutely. team sport.
2: Like, like I'm a really competitive person. I love the footy, but you know, um, you know, having a good time with the boys afterwards, and and you know. Getting a bit of male bonding, you know, it was it's, it's a pretty important thing for guys, I think. Mm. Um, so I probably didn't realise how much that affected me, and, and just yeah, when I think back, that that lack of fitness, I remember um, about a week into carving. Um, so this was the first time I'd been unfit uh, starting carving, and I remember a week and I was like, "Oh, fucked up here." Yeah. Um, just <laughs> I could just like at the end of the day, I was just buggered. And I'd never felt that before, you know, especially right at the start. Mm. And um, I sort of swore to myself then I wouldn't, would never be unfit for carving again. And from that, it just sort of snowballed, man. I just, you know, fatigue set in real early. I started making poor decisions on the farm, the stress of, of being a new dad and, and the financials. And like I was just bleeding money out of every orifice, you know. I've worked out uh, that season, I think. Uh, Roughly every hour I was doing, I was paying myself minus six bucks an hour. you know it was just wow. it was just ridiculous, so um, and I just I just lost the passion for farming too. Um, I remember it oh, I'm
1: not surprised like,
2: yeah it's, I distinctly remember um, saying to myself, you know like I, I asked I started blaming other people, um, like I blamed the bank for giving me the loan, I blamed my boss for giving me the job, and you know, I sort of thought to myself, if someone could just walk in. And just take my cows off me, take the mortgage, and I'd just walk away with a suitcase full of clothes. I'd be happier, you know. Mm. And that was from the kid that grew up, just you know, not wanting to leave the farm, to get to that point. I was like, damn, you know, this is yeah, this grunt. is not good. Yeah, that's, I, I suppose
1: that, that um, I'm not lashing out mentality, but that blame mentality. I blame. suppose that's human instinct. Like it's
2: <laughs> it is man, you see it everywhere. Yeah, and it wasn't yeah. actually until um, you know I probably got myself into a real shit place where it was just. It was so hard to get up in the morning and go and milk the cows, and it was only the fact, really, that um, probably two things, I had uh, had my kids um, that you know, needed food on the table and the responsibility I felt towards my cows to look after them. Um, they were probably the only two things that kept me going at that point. Um, and it wasn't actually, I, I came, I remember come, you know, I'd probably been in this place for you know, maybe a year of, of just hating farming and and hating my life and blaming other people
1: and when you were when when you were like that what were you like as um as a husband and a dad i'm pretty shit ass yeah were you
2: yeah for a while there. it's funny you
1: you generally save your worst behavior for those people that yeah
2: i think i I wasn't a bad dad but i I think i definitely took it out on the wife you know you turn angry like a lot of it came out as anger um so you know pretty short i've got i've generally got a really long fuse um, but but probably turned quite short. Yeah, and, and just frustration, just, eh? Because I blamed her as well, like, just for stupid shit, you know. I was just blaming everyone else except for myself, and it wasn't. I came home one day um, after about a year year of this, and I had a bitch and a moan at the wife about something, <laughs> about farming, you know, and, and she turned around. And at the time, I was absolutely ropeable with her, but she just said, well, you chose this and I, it, oh, yeah, it hurt. it hurt, it hurt, it hurt, it cut deep, I tell you, um, and, you know, there were a few words were exchanged probably after that, from what I remember, it didn't, didn't go down well, but, um, you know, I, I went away and that probably sat with me for a, for a few weeks, and I probably had to actually man up and, and, and accept that she was bloody right about uh, that, and uh, that, uh. that was a really big turning point, I think, was to that acceptance that, you know, I applied for the bank loan, I applied for the job, you know, I wanted to be here and and it I was exactly where I put myself. It's,
1: it's harder because, I mean, things like the pay, the milk pay-up, there's things like that that are variables that are completely out of your control and there's nothing you can do about that. But, yeah, yeah this is um, um, a Navy SEALs thing that I got from the David Goggins book. Yeah. Uh, it's like just owning as much shit as what you can. Yeah. And, it, and it's it, the best it, place to be. And, like, you can you can blame anyone you want, but it's not going to change <laughs> the situation, <laughs> exactly. is it?
2: Exactly. And, and it was really that moment of acceptance that I, I became – quite self-aware of, of where I actually was in my life and, um, you know, the, the sort of mental state I was in and, and yeah, set about owning it, I guess, and, and it, it then became like, right, what am I going to do about it? Mm. Um, and I actually, I, I turned back to, you know, something that had helped me when I was, uh, you know, coming out of my teenage years and that was boxing and I actually, uh, I just said to the, uh, Nicole, I was just like, I've, I've got a I've got to get this out of me, you know, I was, I was i was still really angry about the situation but I was like, I need to get off, um, I need to, I had an itch I guess that needed to be scratched so I ended up, um, yeah, starting starting to train for a boxing fight again and um, as difficult as it was, I think I had to drive an hour up to New Plymouth to a boxing gym, um, so I was doing that once a week and uh, training most nights of the week but, you know, instantly it started getting me fit again and, and you know, I lost think I'd put on 10 kilos in that winter um, so I, I got back to I think 81 kilos um, you know got lean and mean and started feeling good about myself and um, the way I sort of explain it is like I'd, I'd you know finish work at like five thirty in the afternoon after starting at 4 a.m and I'd be excited to get into the into my ute and drive for an out to New Plymouth and go and punch people in the face mm. and, and but what I found was that that two-hour training I didn't think about the farm once and that was literally the only time I could shut off was, was when I was training. Because
1: Is that a nature of, of the sport of boxing that you have to be in the moment? Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey.
0: Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm, Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.
2: Yeah, you get punched in the face a lot if you don't. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah it, was. it was. It was probably, you know, I think. Probably when you're like playing rugby and that, you can, there's a team around you. You can still sort of be away with the fairies a bit and and hide in the team. Yeah. So to speak. But, um, you know, boxing, when you're, when you're sparring or, or or just the training's so intense that you have to be in that moment and and giving it 110%. I think that was, it was was like the right medicine I needed at that time to, to switch off. And I'd find even, you know, even I'd, I'd come back late at night buggered. I'd actually wake up feeling a bit refreshed. Like, I'd mentally just had a break, um, because, you know, the hardest thing about farming is it's just 24 hours a day, like, you wake up in the middle of the night thinking about it, and first thing in the morning, you're thinking about cows. No, no, just thinking about the jobs
1: you got to do the next day? Or, yeah, or, uh,
2: you know, there's been there's been times um, when we had, like, a you know, you have a really wet patch uh, in the spring, like, we had we had one uh, a couple of years uh, around this time, actually, and like it just rained every freaking day and it just makes life very difficult to farm and like you'd wake up and you'd hear the rain and it would just be like might as well have been bloody gunfire you know it's just it was <laughs> horrible you know it's just you just know that, you, that your day is going to be hard and, and shit and it's going to be wet again and um yeah you just you're just worrying constantly constant worry about your animals and and the jobs that need to be done and not enough time to do them and uh, you know, you add financial pressure onto that, or, or relationship pressure, and it, it's quite overwhelming. And, and once the mind starts whirling away, it's hard to bloody stop it. It really is. Mm.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's easier said than done. People say to switch off. So you you never. Yeah. So it was just a boxing for you. you never you never sought any professional help. You never got any counselling. You never nah. went to a doctor.
2: No, nah, it was it was all. It's just not the done thing.
1: No. In in rural communities, yeah, it was,
2: yeah. You know, that was we're talking probably. Five or six years ago, at the worst of it, and it was yeah, it was. There's still a massive uh, stigma around mm. it.
1: Um, but I mean, if you can, if you can work through this stuff on your own, then that's fine. Go yeah, ahead the, and do the way it, I sort of see
2: it is it, it's it's this whole thing started a journey for me, and you know a lot of the the counselling of of um, received in the last twelve months has actually been going back through past shit, you know, and, and unraveling that fully, and because you, you don't realise how some of those early things in life affect your decision making 20 years from now on um you know whatever whatever things you go through in life they have a really big impact and you're not really aware of them I don't think until um you actually go back you know particularly with a professional and sort of unpack it a bit you
1: touch upon this in your, in your book mm. you want to talk about this a little bit now okay yeah because like,
2: what,
1: what, what you're talking about is um very, very traumatic. That happened very early in your life, so yeah. I'm not surprised that this is one of those things that that came back and read its head. Um, yeah. It was uh, um, like sexual abuse. At a, yeah. A, how old were you?
2: Uh, I was around about nine. So how
1: old yeah. was the the older kid?
2: Uh, he was. Yeah, he was a teenager, so fourteen, fifteen. I think.
1: Right. Yeah, right. Yeah. And this went on for like half a year or something.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It was, o- it was over an extended period. It happened. Yeah. You know, there were f- a few incidents here, yeah. um, and it's the the one. You know, I. I hummed and hard for a long time about putting this in the book, um, just because there's, there's a lot of people that don't know about it. Um,
1: As in my
2: like oh, friends, fam- family. family, and friends. Family yeah, life. yeah. There's not a lot of people that know about it at all, so it was quite a hard thing to put in there. But um, I've actually, I've actually talked to other males with with similar experiences, and it's like I think I put it in the book, but I, I thought I was like one in a billion. You know, that I was the only kid that this ever happened to, but. Um, yeah, the, I think I read a stat not long ago that it's like 1 in 7 males will suffer some form of sexual abuse in their life and you know, females is like 1 in 3 or something like that, it's, it's far too common so mm. um, I wanted to put it in there because I felt so alone for so many years um, You know, I, I didn't tell anyone until I was probably 18, 19 I think As in no one? No one yeah. What,
1: just like guilt and shame, or?
2: Yeah, yeah, I thought it was my fault mm. for a long time. Um, you know, I, I felt I felt uh, a lot of shame about letting that happen to me. Um, I guess I grew up in a. How do you mean, like not fighting back? Yeah. Oh, come on. he yeah. nah, for real. He
1: was, a, he was a fucking teenager. Yeah, You're but a,
2: like I, you know, and I, I don't want to say anything bad about my brothers because they're awesome, but, you know, I had two really tough, bigger, strong brothers that I idolised, and I mm. was like. I'd be so ashamed that I didn't, you know, kill him or something. You know, like like that's, that's sort of the, the 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 role models I had, I guess. You know, my uncle on the farm is is a you know typical tough stoic Kiwi male, yeah. and um, you know, when I when I when I think about it, it was it was definitely shame about you know letting that happen, and I and I think back now to that kid, and I often um, blamed myself for it, but I judged it with with the knowledge I had now, um, and I guess I, I probably didn't, I, I didn't even think about it for a long time or didn't want to think about it for a lot of those reasons, um, but it wasn't probably until I um, started boxing at the age of 18 that I was able to go back to it, I guess, and then use it as a bit of... <laughs> you,
1: talk, uh, you talk about this evaluation. in your book, you say part of, the, part of the reason you took up boxing was so that if you ever, like, passed this guy on the street... Oh, totally. ...you'd better, like, knock his lights yeah, out. Yeah,
2: because that that was that thing of, of I felt, so shit about not fighting it harder you know and and you know that was that was a lot of the shame and the guilt and um yeah like I said I've i heard it from other you know victims before as, as they feel like it's their fault um and it's you know I think back now and I think how fucking stupid is that mm. but at the time, you know, as a as a kid, you just can't process. Like I didn't even know what was happening, really. I didn't know if it was how bad it was or how wrong it was. Mm. Um, it's really hard to process at that age. Um, yeah, probably a little bit different if you if you get to, a, I guess, three or four years older when you're a bit mature, you can understand things a bit more. But you know, I think about my daughter now. Um, she's eight, so I was you know just a little bit older Similar than her. Age, yeah. It's um, you know, God, I'd hate to think what I'd do to someone. You know, if you found that out. I don't know, but I just think of, of her, and I'm just like, there's no way she could fight back against someone, that's even like even a boy teams. her same age, yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's 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 silly, but it's just how the mind works. And so I wanted to put it in there just to, um, you know, so someone else might read it that's that's been through something, so they don't feel alone, I guess, and and know that it's it's not the end of their life or not the end of their 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 life as they know it that they can. Um, Use it as a positive, I guess, because you know, it's 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 hard, but it's 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 a part of who I am now, and mm. I wouldn't have the courage to do the things that I've done without having gone through that either. You know, in a in a strange way, it's um yeah, I, I like to think that it's it's made me something more rather than taking everything away from me.
1: And the um the um the, the perpetrator, he's going to read this, right? He's definitely going to read it, probably. <laughs> yeah, like he. he Surely he, he wakes up every day and thinks, is this the day that there's going to be a knock at the door?
2: Yeah, and I've, I've often thought about it. I'm pretty tempted. <laughs> but I know that. That's, uh, that's, it's, I mean, you, you talk
1: yeah. in the book about your reasons for not for not going to the police and not yeah, going yeah, through. Yeah. But yeah. isn't it nice to know that even if you don't do anything about it, he's he, you, yeah. you've let go of the secret, which was no yeah. fault of your own. He's still got this secret, and he, yeah. every time – The phone rings or the door knocks.
2: Absolutely, and it's it's not something I I realised until I was older that you know he's got to live with it as well. Um, You know, I've I've tried to turn it into something positive. Um, I can't imagine there's any way that he can. You know, and and he's got to, you know, whether he regrets it or not, he's got to live with that for the rest of his life, and. Yes, yeah, the strangers One day I'll knock on the door. Maybe <laughs> he might listen to this podcast and just get the sweats off him. <laughs> um, but you know, it's, it's quite likely that one. I've actually dreaded it. You know, crossing paths. You know, New Zealand's a small place. Um, crossing paths with them You know, just how how I'd, uh, how I'd. How do you think out. you'd
1: be like? for oh, Freeze or?
2: I probably would, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. yeah as, you don't know. Him. As confident as I am now, um, yeah, it would be quite a quite an awkward thing. I... I'm pretty restrained but I, I think I'd I think I'd definitely say something. Mm. Um,
1: Want 20 percent discount on the best earplugs for exercise. Ultra earplugs go in your ears and stay in there. Go to ultraaudio.com, that's U L T R O and use the discount code DOM20. That'll save you around $35. That's ultraaudio.com, U L T R O and the discount code DOM20.
2: Yeah, who knows? I mean, you'd
1: get away with giving giving him a hiding, wouldn't you? What's he going to do? Go to the police? Slaps. Yeah,
2: (laughs) couple of slaps. (laughs) You know, but but, you know that was one of the reasons why I didn't go to the police because it's my word against his. You know, and it's I I totally understand. um, You know whether whether people do report these things or don't. I I understand both sides of the coin. You know, it's it's a really hard place to be in, and, and really hard to. Really hard to go through I guess that process of of dragging it through court and, and airing your secrets in in a way that's out of your control um, I guess you know with putting it in the book it, it is in my control I've, I've told the parts of it that I want to so I can I can control my my story around that to a point I guess I still walk into rooms um, particularly around men and and I like screen everyone you know um, because I'm
1: is that right yeah. just subconsciously.
2: Yeah, it's, it's just I'm I'm looking for who's the threat, you know. Um and that's something I've done ever since is is just, you know, you get really get re, you get really good at I guess at picking up a vibe or or dodgy people or or suspicious suspicious sort of characters. You just get really good at just screening people for that and oh. um you know, that's just one of the the consequences of having having uh, something taken out of your control like that. Mm.
1: I, I suppose that this was um, this was always going to come to a head if it wasn 't the, the milk payout and financial stress on the farm it was always going to was always going to really yeah I, I, th- I think
2: that, like growing, going through my um, once i'd sort of uh, discovered boxing as an 18 year old and, and, and I thought i'd sort of deal dealt with a lot of things and created a lot of uh, toughness and resilience and all those things that we need in life um, i next never actually thought I would get to a bad place um, as naive as that may sound to a lot of people, it's just, I think that's pretty common for, for a lot of people is, you know, I was, a, I was a fairly happy sort of a chap for most for the most part, um, but yeah, I, I never thought I'd get to that place and, and to actually get the realisation that you are there is, is a pretty big wake up call that mm-hmm. it can literally happen to anyone and yeah, you know, the more the more people. You know, it's it's great that you've had, had so many sports stars on there, people that you look up to that that think, never deal with this stuff. It's so important to, for them to actually tell their story, and um, so empowering for a lot of people too.
1: Yeah, so I mean, uh, what I've been through is. Um absolutely nothing compared to, to what you went through as a nine-year-old boy. Um, but I thought I got through unscathed as well. But then mm. um, there's just a bunch of shit I went through, like a, we had a family adopt- adoption that turned pretty bad and yeah. relationship breakup and years and years of fertility treatment and stuff. Yeah. And um, I suppose I just didn't, didn't deal with it. It was probably yeah. like, oh, well, onwards and upwards. Yeah. Yeah. You know, what's next? And then um, if you don't address this stuff, eventually it's going to...
2: comes back to bite you sooner yeah, or later. Yeah, it does. Right? It's, it's it one does. of those things. That, but, you know, everyone's... Everyone's um, story is their own, and and your trauma is is all you know. You know, like I, I don't expect other people to. I don't. I don't want sympathy and, and poor you sort of thing from from putting that in the book. Um, and I don't want anyone to think that, that their trauma is or you know, challenges are, are not worthy or something because you only know what you know and you've yeah. only been through what you've been through. So, but you know, it is. I could, if I could put a message out there, particularly to the fellas, is, is you actually got to deal with the shit, you know, when it, otherwise it does come back and bite you, you know, all those things add up over time, eh, you know, um, one little thing here and one little thing there, they all just pile on top of you, and uh, sooner or later you're carrying the weight <laughs> of the world, and you can only do that for so long. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah I, I like to use and I don't know if my analogies are any good or not, but I, it's like... Having a workout and then getting your sweaty gym gear and chucking it on a, in a bag and putting it in the boot of your car <laughs> yeah. and then getting more gym gear, chucking it in there. Yeah. Eventually, like the smells are only going to get worse and worse. Yeah. And starts, you're going you to need
2: start growing some funky stuff. Yeah. You're going
1: to need to deal with it one day. <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, Man, you've,
1: you've been through some stuff. And when, when you, when you came here, um, your wife and your you two kids who are very tired because you've just had a, a flight from Fiji, <laughs> um, they went for a walk. Did, like now that you're, a, you're a dad and you've got a son and a daughter, do you, like, do you kind of wish you told your own parents at the time what was going oh, on? Oh
2: yeah, absolutely. And um, you know, I I got to a point, I guess, where I felt like I didn't want to tell them because I I now know um, as a parent how you would feel getting told that, you know, twenty years down the track or whatever it was. Because um, you just
1: want to you want you just want to protect your kids, right?
2: Absolutely. So it's it's a you know, you know, I can I can just picture one of my kids coming and saying that I'd be absolutely heartbroken and, and furious, and you know, because that's your job, you know, is to protect them. But you know, it's 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 absolutely not their fault, you know, and that's mm. that's the hard thing to understand as a parent. They they had no um, control over that, and it was yeah. You know, I, if I could go back in time, I would I would, but it was just it was just too much um, too much guilt and shame to yeah. do it at the time and. It's one of those things that's sort of sad but true. But I, th- I think from the from the victims that I've talked to, um, you know, we all we all go through that same same feeling, and it's you know, you think back at it, you think it's it's so unjustified, mm. so unjustified to feel like that. oh, because, completely, it makes you know, no sense, absolutely no sense, and I I, I can't figure mm. out for the life of us why our brain does that. And, mm. You know, some of it must be around that stigma of of. Um, you know, being tough enough or, or whatever it is, um, particularly, for, I think, for males is, is um, yeah, like, like we said earlier, not fighting back or not being able to protect yourself, I think, was a big thing. And that's, like, I, I absolutely idolised Mike Tyson because I wanted that, you know, to be... To, to have that persona of being able to protect myself, and yeah, a lot the, of it, he was the yeah. baddest man on the planet. He was the baddest man on the planet, and I wanted to be that because then no one would, you know, even try. You know, that was that was a big part of it, and uh, <laughs> even with that <laughs> list, no one's teasing Mike Tyson. <laughs> no, you'd be a brave man, too, <laughs> wouldn't you? Um, so yeah, it's, it's it's interesting, you know, that that point in life is as shit as it was, it's it's led me down a positive path, and I'm I'm, I'm thankful that I found uh. Really thankful that I found an outlet to uh, express it in a positive way. Um, You know, if you if you look through, you know, people that have had addictions in life, um, a lot of it stems from a a trauma of something similar that Mm. they've they found a negative outlet for. You know, everyone needs an outlet for it. Um, Yeah, so I'm I'm extremely thankful that I found something positive out of it. And you know, when I think back. Um, that was probably the little seed that got planted to, to start FarmFit. Yeah, right, um, right. Subliminally, subliminally? Yeah, or, yeah absolutely, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think it's, um, I wouldn't have thought it 10 years ago, but, you know, when I think back to, um, you know, when people ask me how I started FarmFit, I usually go back to go back to that. That was a catalyst for something. Mm. And, um, and it's just taken uh, 25 years to sort of get there, I guess, but...
1: Yes. How old are you now? What are you 30,
2: uh, thirty-five? Mid- yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, you still got years on me. So I'm I'm, for, <laughs> I'm 49, and I'm just I've just like the last few years, um, like discovered the importance of, um, you know having having deeper conversations with people. Yeah, you know, I suppose like showing a bit of vulnerability. Yeah, and it's, I'm, and, and it's st- I, I understand how important it is, and I understand how good it feels when you do it. But I I still do struggle with some of my mates. Like you get oh, you get together 100%. and we can like um smash out a couple of bottles of wine and just have shallow talk before we yeah,
2: yeah before
1: yeah. we get to the deeper yeah, stuff. And uh, totally. then you, you see you see women they get together and they they meet other women that they have never even met it. before and straight into that deep stuff. <laughs> Why is it so hard? eh? because it is. It's cathartic. It's really good.
2: Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And that's probably one of the best things about writing this book was actually going back um, through life and you know revisiting that that. Um, time in my life and understanding the emotions of it and but also the good stuff that came after it but, but really like sitting down and appreciating everything you know and it was quite cool actually to see everything tie in together and it's sort of a, like a timeline of life really and you, you actually sit back and you think oh this happened because of that and uh, you know I, I met that person then and that became something else and you know it's it's, it's quite a cool thing to actually sit down and, and look back at your life and understand a little bit better mm, you know uh, yeah
1: Understand why, yeah. What 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 makes
2: you and why you tick? Yeah, why absolutely. You do the things you do, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's a it's a really important thing to do. Yeah, self awareness.
1: Right, I suppose. Um, yeah, are you quite good with gratitude?
2: I'm a lot better now than yeah. I used to be. Yeah, like uh, five five or six years ago, I probably um, didn't even know what the word was. <laughs> to, <laughs> to in all honesty, yeah, um, yeah. I'm still. I think most uh, most males still have that. Um, she'll be right attitude just just not even think about that but I, I find it quite a powerful thing to to look back on your day or your, your year or something and and um and really pick out some positives eh? it's 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 quite an empowering thing and even better than that is is reliving um times when you felt gratitude or, mm-hmm. or witnessed it and, and that's something I do really regularly now is I found that super powerful rather than uh Thinking a roof over your head is is actually think back to a time when you when you received a gift or something special or or, or a time that some you, you know someone showed that they cared about you something like that is, mm-hmm. is super powerful to to replay that story. Um, so I'm, I'm pretty good at doing that uh, automatically now and um, reflecting on the day. And it's it seems silly. I wouldn't have picked myself sitting here as a farmer <laughs> <laughs> talking about gratitude or, or journaling or anything no. like that. Is um yeah, it is quite an odd thing but it it it's
1: great though it's great because i i suppose for me like i got to a position where um i was very financially driven and um i was earning fantastic money i, yeah. I really enjoyed my job but it was quite stressful i guess um but i had all these things and yeah. these the i'd buy something new and it would give me like a um like a, a momentary i don't know if it's a dopamine hit or a rush of serotonin or something yeah. And then I'd feel flat again. Yeah. And then I, I realised, like, the, the key to gratitude is just being happy with less, actually.
2: Yeah, yeah and, and it's and that long-term thinking, eh, is, yeah. is, is super important. Um, we often we often look for those short-term hits, whether it's a, a rum at the end of the night or, or buying a buying a new toy, a jet ski or something like that, but, you know, it's...
1: <laughs> a frame TV, yeah. 65 inches <laughs> out there, I'll <laughs> have you know.
2: You know, it's, it's understanding that, that long-term yeah. hit is way more important, eh, and... You know, same as same as a bar of chocolate, you know. It's my it's my weakness. Um, if I'm gonna going for a short term hit, it's it's a mm. tasty bit of food. But it's it's really the long term thinking that gets us through life.
1: Yeah, the sure is. Stuff, yeah. Sure is. Well, you seem to have that right. You um, you, your kids um. Your son in particular, he looks pretty... I met him just before, he looks pretty pissed off with you at the moment because he's very <laughs> tired. And you told me you um, got them out of bed first thing yesterday morning to see a sunrise in Fiji. Yeah. And I feel like that's one of the... I don't know, maybe he's too young to appreciate it, but maybe years from now he'll look back and go, shit, that was a cool moment with Dad.
2: Yeah, I actually... I was actually surprised they got out of bed, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was actually really happy. They, they both had... um Quite a positive attitude about getting up that early, and because and, we had to hike up a bit of a hill, you know, it was a 15 minute walk up a hill at uh, six in the morning. Um, they both really enjoyed it, and I've, I think they've probably just got to that age and they've seen me uh, or they've sort of had me drag them along to enough stuff now that they're maybe just, just clicking that um, it is something special and to, you know, pay attention to those little things in nature because that's, uh, I distinctly remember, you know, when I was struggling on the farm. was... Uh, one of the other things I did was, was actually I had to remember why why was I farming, you know, I had to ask myself that question because I wanted to give it all away mm. um, and so I had to think back to when I was a kid um, on my uncle's farm, um, you know, just having a ball and, and just enjoying that farm life and I sort of made a promise to myself to, you know, that was why I was farming, to replicate that for my kids so yes. it was... I made that a priority because I was working so hard on the bloody farm and leaving the kids at home because they slow you down a bit. So um, it was actually I had to stop and sort of smell the roses a bit and you know go and pet the cows and, and do all those things with the kids that I liked and that, and that was the reason why I was farming. Mm-hmm. So it's a pretty cool thing to um, teach your kids how to be grateful for those things, and you know, I try and hammer it home. It's hard though when the living a life that's so different now with <laughs> tablets and phones and YouTube. Oh, and, yeah, all the things. Oh, it's crazy, but, um, yeah, you know, it's, it's it's so important. You know, it, what's really interesting is um, Fiji, you go there, they're the happiest bloody people I've ever met, eh? Oh, they're they the nicest people in nicest. the world. And it, it's, it's not so much the place, it's the people that keeps me going back there. Um, 100%. Sorry, it's only my second trip, but, you know, I'm, I'm going to keep going back there because they're amazing people, but... A lot of them have got absolutely frickin' nothing, eh? Mm. And, you know, you think about that, and then I think about my kids who can be, um, you know, a bit stroppy sometimes. and <laughs> know, they don't get what they want. If they don't get what they want, you know, <laughs> the, sometimes they, you know, they need their, you know, they want to watch their TV show or something, it's the end of the world if they can't do it. <laughs> and I think, you know, how am, have we overcomplicated life, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, you think about those those Fijian people, man, they've, a lot of them have got absolutely nothing, but they're so happy, so grateful um, and so positive about life, um, and I look around us in the society we live in now in, in New Zealand and America, you know, Western culture, and it's like there's not that many people that are happy um, or, or, or that friendly. Like, you walk down the street, even in New Plymouth now, I went for a run there along the foreshore. And, um, that's on a the, great track, by the way. Yeah, I'm, I'm that guy, though, that'll, you know, give you a, give you the eyebrows or a g'day or something. You <laughs> know, that's just how I've grown mm. up, and, and no one was bloody, they were looking at me like I was a bloody idiot when I was saying g'day, and it was only the, the older people that said hello back, and I was just like, man, this is sad, you know, um, what sort of, this is not the world I want to live in, I, I want to walk down the street and say day to people or stop for a yarn, and mm. and that's, that's normal, because that was the New Zealand that I grew up in, but it's yeah. You just don't get that anymore. You get looked at. Um, I was getting some weird looks saying good day <laughs> to people. It was, it was horrible.
1: Well, I must admit, I did that the same here, um, in Auckland where I, where I run it. If I see, not so much walkers, but other runners. Someone running the other direction. I'll always give them a wave. Yep. And because I mean, here we are. We're out doing the same thing at yep. the same time. What are the fucking chances? Yeah. And the amount of people that are—I don't know—they're in the zone, so they don't even see you, or they give you a look like, "Do I know you?"
2: Yeah. <laughs> it's really, really odd. But
1: um, I really want to make the uh, make the, the the friendly wave a thing again.
2: I think it's got to come back. And even driving on uh, rural roads now, anyone who's listened to this podcast—if you're driving on a rural road out in the country—just wave. When you go past a car, you, whatever it is, um, one finger or two just up over the steering wheel, <laughs> make sure it's the right way around. Um, but, you know, that's that's the New Zealand I grew up in where if, if you're driving down a rural road, everyone gave someone a wave or, a, you know, um, acknowledged their existence. Um, but even that's happening less. Yeah. And it's sad, man. It, um, it, it actually, like, is, I find it quite sad that um, that's happening to New
1: Zealand. Yeah bring it back I think, yeah, I think we can probably learn a lot from the uh, the Fijian mindset and that comes back to what I was saying before about uh, instead of wanting more just being happier with less mate. yeah I don't know absolutely, um, absolutely. but hey, by the way good on you for going to Fiji as well because uh, my, my, um, my uncle John like growing up I'm, I'm pretty I don't remember him ever having a holiday and nah. I feel like in the rural communities back in the 80s and 90s it was almost like a badge of honour to talk yeah. about how many years you've gone without having a break still
2: is is it still is. Is. Is yeah, a thing yeah, a lot of people I've, I, I keep a pretty close eye on like the, the dairy farming pages in New Zealand and uh, some people wear that as a badge of, honour. Well, yeah, haven't had a day off for six years or you know, all these sorts of things and I'm just like, you're an idiot. Um,
1: Life is passing you by.
2: I mean, one of the things I learnt from boxing, there's a, there's a famous commentator, a boxing trainer, he actually trained Mike Tyson when he was a teenager um, and it's, a, it's, a, it's about being tough and we have this, this idea in our mind, you know, the this, this stoic toughness of, of the Kiwi male. And that you you don't say anything, you, you don't take a day off. You know, particularly in farming, you know, you you get injured, you just keep bloody working. You get sick, you just work through it. Um, and that's all very well, but actually, if you're if you're smart about things and, and you do take a day off, heaven forbid, or or you know have an off farm activity or or get fit for carving, you know, do these little things that are smart. You know, uh, do a journal. Um, you actually become tougher because you don't need to rely on just being a hard bastard anymore. You've got all these other tools that you can pick up um, and and use, and you know when things do really get tough, sometimes you do need to tough things out. But it's there and it's intact. Um, and this boxing trainer, he, he likened it to hitting a stone with a hammer. Um, and you know, a stone's really hard. It's tough, but sooner or later, if you just keep chipping away at it, it's going to crack. You right. know. It, might not be the hundredth time it gets hit, it might be the ten thousandth time, you know, but uh sooner or later it's gonna start cracking and, and it's not gonna be tough anymore. Um so you wear it out. And that's something I've really discovered the last probably six years is is is, is to be smarter and, and that's a lot of what I wanted to do with the book is, is give people some tools to use that aren't just being tough and, and it's not just um you know, putting your head down and carrying on. It's it's actually picking up the phone and talking about things and working through things and um, you just become so much. You know, you not only do you become a better farmer, you be, become a better person and a better husband or a better father or a better wife or whatever job you do. Um, so we need to we need to change the mentality around that and, and actually be smarter about how we live our lives now rather than just relying on tough. Yeah,
1: right. I love that. I love that. Right. Okay. We, we should wrap this up, um, and I don't know if there's a, a simple answer to this. But for anyone that's listening to this right now, that's in a good place, I feel like that's that's the time where you should start doing the work. Know that tough times in your life are going to come at some point, yeah. Absolutely. And the more prepared you are, the better. Even though when you were when you when you're feeling great and life's going good, the last thing you want to do is like start <laughs> a fucking journal. <laughs> it just seems unnecessary, right? Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but yeah, for anyone that's in that position, rural or otherwise, like what would your, what would your key pointers be to them? Where can they start? Um,
2: look, I, I sum it up pretty simply, and I, and I look at my physical and mental health as a table. Every table has four legs, and, and they are the sort of the, the pillars that hold up your health. And um, I look at it as stress. So, you know, filtering out the stress you don't need in life, um, dealing with the stress you know in a healthy way. You know, don't go and sink a dozen of purse. Go and actually, you know, solve the problems, talk about it, deal with it in a healthy way, so that it's not a stress anymore. Um, some sort of movement it can be anything from yoga to game of hockey, surfing you know, I'm, I'm all about people just getting out and using their bodies in some form of nature um, I think that's really important to, to to do it in our natural setting, you know, we're, we're human beings we're not robots, so get out and move, um, look after your body in, in, in that movement because it does disappear as you age I've, yeah, I've started yeah. to find um, sleep super important particularly for for people that work funny hours um, farmers shift workers is, is having a sleep routine um, without sleep you you make pretty poor decisions about everything basically um, so that's been super important to me to, to have a good routine and then what you consume um, not only what we put in our mouths but what we listen to and what we watch and who we hang around our you know the environment we create around us we we soak up like a sponge and it's yeah you know, it's super important to be aware that that can be a really negative, um, you know, feeder for our for our headspace. So, um, trying to you know watch what you watch is, is super important, especially these days in social media. Um, you know, and if if you can do a reasonable job on those four things, I think um, you know just just have one thing for each of those table legs that you can uh, look towards to to help you out. Um, I think that goes a long way to um, keeping you. Uh, above the line so to speak
1: yeah i love it good advice but in saying that a, a box of piss and a couple of episodes of love island every oh, now yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and
0: then
1: um, And yes, social media is a funny one eh, because it's um it can be very negative but then there's um yes people like you with your farm fit account doing good yeah, stuff
2: yeah what i noticed was i used to be a consumer so you know you go on facebook you know like i said I, earlier I, I didn't post anything i just consumed whatever was out there and you don't realize how negative that can be like i remember uh you know when I was struggling was a, a time when, uh, I think it was Safe and Greenpeace were just absolutely attacking dairy farmers. And, um, I, I sort of felt like the All Blacks when they lost the World Cup. <laughs> everyone just fucking hated them, mate. Eh? <laughs> like imagine being that All Black, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You're doing something that you love for your country. Yeah. Um, but everyone bloody hates you for it. And, that was that was actually really hard to to take because it was everywhere. It was on it was on you know, the six pm news. It was on Facebook. Um, wherever you looked, where you know farmers were just bastards and assholes, and they hated their cows and, and hated New Zealand. And and I was like, fuck off! I, I love the, my I country. I'm the know? backbone of this. Yeah, country. yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm I'm you know I'm trying to feed the world, man. Mm. I, you know I'm, uh, when you when you think about farming in New Zealand, it was you know the pioneers of of um, you know, the Europeans that came over and, and turned it into an industry, and yeah. um, I'm really proud of that. You know, so it was really, really bloody hard to see that being attacked, and me, you know, and a lot of farmers felt like this is is getting lumped into the bottom two percent that were doing a shit job of it. Mm. Um, so it can really feed into that headspace. And um, what I found with with creating farm food is, as I became a creator, not a consumer. So I. Yeah, you know, I just scroll less, You know, I don't, I don't have the time or energy to to, to absorb a lot of that negative shit. Mm. And you, you really pay attention to who you follow and and yeah, um, you know, that consumption of what you're actually consuming. I like, I stopped watching the the news like a year ago. You know, it was just, it's just all negative and shit a lot of the time. So it's
1: kind of yeah, and it's 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 designed for um, it's an hour of content for what TV one or TV three think is going to sell out. Yeah,
2: exactly, exactly.
1: That's it. Try and change. Because you can't avoid social media, but try and change your algorithms. Follow FarmFit. Absolutely. If you see someone that constantly posts good quotes, like them more, and then you'll get more of them in your feed. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Change the algorithm.
2: Yeah, yeah. You got to. You got to be. You got to have control of who you're following. That's the one thing I like about Instagram, actually, other than Facebook, is you. I think there's more control over who you follow, and you, you don't tend to get uh, random shit generating into your feeding more though I have noticed it a fair bit more lately but (laughs) um I like I wasn't even on Instagram before farm fit you know it was it was I'm pretty new to it but um yeah just understanding who you're following and you know if if they make you feel bad fucking unfollow them yeah Absolutely. absolutely it's as easy as that absolutely yeah keep life simple (laughs)
1: Alright, Kane Briscoe, um, brand new book, Tools for the Top Paddock. Um, congratulations, man. You must, um, look at the cover of that and, actually, you take that if you want. You take that. No,
2: no, no. no, no. Some
1: reading for the plane back to, back to the knacky. (laughs) I actually
2: look really fit and healthy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, good good to see you
1: wear your best gears for the cover. (laughs) Dirty old Canterbury shorts and a, what is it, a ridgeline? Ridgeline shirt?
2: No, no, that's my own shirt. That's, oh, is it? It's got the FarmFit Farm brand Fit. on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, that's standard attire, mate. I'm shorts all year, so it was. Uh, they wanted a, the the normal look. Yeah. Oh, you, I
1: can <laughs> tell you're bursting <laughs> with pride, and uh, and you should be. It's a it's a it's a true honour that you've got to this point. Um, love what you're doing with FarmFit, and really um and and keep it up, man. You've done the work.
2: Thank you very much. I really appreciate you getting me on, and um, yeah, being able to to get some uh, average rural New Zealand channel. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Thanks, it's been an eye-opener. We'll stop recording and then you can explain what Three Waters is to me.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Nobody knows. <laughs> Kane Briscoe,
1: thank you very much for listening all the way through. If you want to learn more about Kane, you can Google his book, Tools for the Top Paddock. And if you like the podcast, please subscribe, follow, like, and even give it a rating or review. I honestly, from the bottom of my heart, really appreciate the support. Um... This, this may sound a little bit cheesy, but it has been a tough hustle this year. This podcast, it's like building a business from scratch. Uh, so on those hard weeks, the love and the support for the podcast really has kept me going. So if that's you, thanks so much. Um, I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. And if you've got any feedback, I take everything on board, good or bad. Um, you can message me domharveynz at gmail.com or flick me a message on Instagram, domharveynz. All right. Thanks, team. Want 20% discount on the best earplugs for exercise? Ultra earplugs go in your ears and stay in there. Go to ultraaudio.com, that's U-L-T-R-O, and use the discount code DOM20. That'll save you around $35. That's ultraaudio.com, U-L-T-R-O, and the discount code DOM20. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter.